You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This past week, there's been a scripture in my heart where God is just busy washing it and bringing it through my heart and it's washing my heart and I'm looking at it and it's challenging me the more I look at it. Have you ever had that experience when you meditate upon a scripture? Last week, I started by preaching on the Jesus way. And this week, I want to share the message, the good news. When you share Jesus with people, is it good news or is it guilt and condemnation? Is it laws? Is it this difficult yoke? The Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 1 verse 14 that it was the good news that was preached. Jesus proclaimed the good news. Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. The Bible says the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Good news. Sometimes the message that we bring out or share about Jesus does not feel like good news. But what Jesus preached is good news. Do you know what's good news? Good news is something that makes you happy. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. Do you know what's the good news? Jesus did not come to this earth to judge us or to condemn us, but he came to save us, is what the Bible says. Came to save us. He came to show us a more excellent way. What gospel are you preaching to people? If we want to reach people that's never heard about the gospel, what does the Bible say about that? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 1. And this is the scripture that was challenging me this week, looking at it the whole time. John chapter 1. Verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Turn to the person next to you, say, first grace, then truth. Verse 16, And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let me confess something. At a stage when we had just started the church, in my office I have got a prayer, prayer wall where I put down scriptures and things. And at a stage I, I put the Ten Commandments up there. And every day I would sit behind my desk and as I look up at those Ten Commandments, the law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Then I realized sometimes I did, I did. And I would feel some condemnation and guilt come over me. You know, I come from a traditional background. And at a stage I just realized that I have to remove that when I read, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? This is the biggest battle in the church right now. Jesus, when he came and he manifested, it was grace first, then truth. 
when you read this, you think it's talking about Jesus that came to this earth, good news, hope for everybody. He manifested, we could see his glory. It was full of grace and truth, grace upon grace. And then suddenly we see the law came through Moses. But Jesus, when he came, it was grace and truth. I thought, what does this mean? Under the law, all of us are guilty. But under grace, all of us have got a chance. That's why the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, when she encountered Jesus, the law was against her. They brought her because of the law. They said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. She's guilty. It's funny that only the woman was there. I wonder where the man was. But she was caught. The man somehow was innocent. Amen. But when she encountered Jesus, he first manifested grace towards her and not truth. Between the law that all of us are guilty is grace. The truth that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What did Jesus say to her? He said, I don't judge you. I don't condemn you. As a matter of fact, any of you who have not sinned, you throw the first stone. And then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Go and sin no more. Turn to the person next to you say, good news. You know, when I read this, the Bible says the law was given at a distance. Keeping us all at a distance. The law it's this perfect husband that Israel was married to. They had to obey. But this husband could only tell you what you do wrong. He could never tell you how to do it in a more excellent way. Some of you married, no, don't even raise your hand. Amen, I know that's not the truth. But it's easy to show that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But when Jesus came, he manifested grace. He did not remove the truth, but he said, let me help you and show you a more excellent way. Grace is God treating us better than what we deserve. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. Grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Law is man's efforts to get close to God. Just be honest, we born again, but sometimes we fall in the trap of wanting to be justified by the law. Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 3, he says, who's bewitched you that after you've begun in the spirit, you end up in the flesh. You want to be under the law again. So I want to take some time and share the good news with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. Turn to the person on the other side, say, good news. You know, how many of you would want to be a friend of God? Just raise your hand. How many of you after January month think that you're a friend of God? Oh, now the, okay. now it's suddenly. <laughs> The Bible says in James 2 verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness 
and he was called the friend of God. Jesus came, manifested grace and truth because he wants to call us friend. He called his disciples friends. You can be a friend of God. Not through your works, through believing what Jesus did on the cross. Turn to the person behind you and say, good news. The Lord told us that we're going to fail. Israel said we can obey these ten commandments, a type of the church, and Moses was not even up the mountain, and they'd broken the first commandment already. So we think we can get it right in our own strength. But the only way is to look to Jesus. So I want to take and read some scriptures out of the book of Acts. Because that's after the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I want you to put yourself in there and ask yourself, what kind of a Christian am I? Am I preaching good news? Or am I preaching condemnation? Am I led by the Holy Spirit? Am I under grace? Or am I putting myself under laws? Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 32. Paul, when they started preaching the gospel, family, we want to reach the unchurched. We want to reach people that are not in church. And here's the pattern. Verse 32, and we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. The NIV says that we are declaring to you good news. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. Is the gospel that you're hearing, is it good news? Or is it bad news? Because if it's bad news, people hear enough bad news every day. Amen? When grace manifested, it was good news. Can I tell you something about good news? People don't believe good news. People don't believe good news. This message that was preached in the book of Acts, the religious people did not want to believe it. They said it's too easy. And I'm going to read more scripture this morning to show you step by step so that we can have a change of heart and preach good news to people. That's the number one characteristic of Jesus Christ. He can feel what we are feeling. Amen. So are you ready for this journey? Go to verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Verse 41. Behold you despise as marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days. A work which you will by no means believe. Though one were to declare it to you. He's saying Habakkuk prophesied and he said I'm going to tell you something. And even if I tell you, you say you're not going to believe it. Isaiah 53 verse 1. He says whose report will you believe? Will you really believe that one man will come to this earth, the God-man, Jesus Christ? And you can read the whole chapter 53. He was chastised. He was bruised, smitten. 
By his stripes we are healed. He said, this is the report that I'm telling you. That Jesus Christ will come to this earth. Emmanuel, God with us. And he's going to die on the cross and pay the price in full. And all that will be required of you is to believe what he's done on the cross for you. Can I have one amen? He says, this is the report that I'm bringing to you, but people will not believe it. Turn to the person next to you say, it sounds too easy. Verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Why? Because it was only God's people that were declared righteous. It was only God's people that had a chance. And now suddenly you're telling the Gentiles, listen here, you don't have to be circumcised to be in a relationship and covenant with God. And they say, we're begging you, tell us more about this. Because we thought it was impossible to serve this living holy God. And now you tell me it's possible? Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. Look at this. Verse 43. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Family, can I tell you something? God chooses grace rather than work so that no man should boast. That no man should boast. The message that we should be preaching to people is the grace of God. The Gentiles begged him, tell us more about this. The religious people, they opposed Paul. They resisted him, said, no, it's too easy. Telling us our long prayers is not required. All our fasting is not required. Let me tell you something. Jesus does not answer prayers because of your fasting, because of your praying. Because you are an usher in the church. Jesus does not answer my prayers because I'm a pastor. Jesus does not answer my prayers because I'm an usher or serving in the children's church. He does not even answer prayers because of any reason that you think. The reason why he answers our prayers is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. Not anything that we've done. Even when we are now fasting in this time of fasting, we don't change God when we fast. The fast is changing us. <laughs> the fast is putting your flesh under so that your spirit can stand up and be stronger. Grace, grace, grace. Look at verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They were opposed to the things spoken by Paul. Paul was saying to them, you are saved by grace through faith. That is the message. Every advancement in our life is because of the grace of God. What Jesus Christ has done in our lives. 
When last did we just go and tell somebody, you know what? God is going to bless you because he loves you. God's not going to withhold anything from you because he did not withhold Jesus from you. Why will he withhold any good thing from you? A lot of us grew up with a mindset, a religious mindset, that we think God wants to hurt us to teach us something. I remember when I just got saved, my first three days was really horrible as a Christian, my first three days, because when I got saved, let me just elaborate, when I got saved, I was shocked to realize that I was not in right standing with God. When I found out I had to be born again, I was really angry with the devil, and I made a stupid mistake. I wanted to take the devil on. I said, devil, I'm going to sort you out. Have you said stupid things like that as a young Christian? Don't tempt the devil, amen? The devil tempts us. When I said that, the devil attacked me for three days with negative thoughts, ugly words in my mind. That when I got to a place and I prayed religiously before God, oh God, given my heart to you, but I don't know what's going on, the devil's attacking me. I've not bumped my head even for you to show that you love me. Have you prayed prayers like that? Why would God need to bump your head to show you that he loves you? <laughs> and after a while, about 20 minutes, I just said, that's it. Started talking normally. I said, God, this is it. If this is how it feels to be a Christian, born again Christian, I'm going back to live the way that I lived before. I said, I've surrendered to you, but this is what's going on. You know what God said to me? Why don't you surrender? Why don't you give yourself over to me? And I said, God, I give myself to you. It's you and not me. And when I surrendered to God, guess what? He filled me with the Holy Spirit. Filled me with the Holy Spirit. Many times I went and sat at that exact same spot and said, God, can I just experience that one more time? He never did that. Because God does everything in his own way, in his own time. Amen? Have you ever prayed religious prayers? And this is why the Gentiles were so happy. Because they realized, I don't have to pray the religious prayers. I just have to believe what Jesus has done on the cross. And my life will change. Am I talking to the right people here? It's much better to have Jesus as a friend and you can talk to him and not be religious, but be in a relationship with him. That's good news, not religion. Religion is not good news. Relationship is good news. Look at verse 48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the regions, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecutions against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? Do you want to take this nation for Jesus? Get the religious dust off your feet, off your shoes. The shoes of the gospel that goes out to preach Jesus is full of grace and truth, not full of religion, not full of heavy yokes. Turn to the person next to you and say, good news. 
listen to the person on the other side say, I'm going to make it easy for somebody this week. We sometimes want to put things on people that we ourselves don't even do. And that's not the gospel. Just go quickly to Acts 14, verse 2. Look at this. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Family, it's because of the grace of God. We all want the grace of God. Let's share the grace of God. You know what happens in the church? Can I say, warning, warning, warning. Don't try and combine grace with the law. It's not a matter of combining your own strength with Jesus' strength. But this gospel is relying on God's strength. Yes, give the Lord a hand. God is going to bless you this year, is going to help you this year, is going to cause you to prosper this year, not because of what you've done right, but because of what Jesus has done right. In Acts chapter 15 verse 1, look here, and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless... You are circumcised according to the custom of Moses. You cannot be saved. We cannot, when we preach the gospel of grace, combine it with the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law so that we can live under grace. When grace starts to work on the inside of you, grace is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. When you allow the word of God, that word of grace and truth to become an integral part of your life, by its very nature, it will start to change you. Can I tell you something? There's not many scriptures in the Bible that says that you can fall from grace. But when you try to justify yourself through the law, you are disconnecting yourself from Jesus. That's why the Gentiles was rejoicing. They were saying, what? These men are keeping the law, and you want to tell me I can be in right standing with God? I can be a friend of God by believing the gospel? Galatians 5 verse 4, underline the scripture and memorize it. It says, you have become estranged from Christ. Some translation says alienated or disconnected. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Enough. Can you see how important it is to preach the gospel of grace and not to be justified by the law? Why was that not acceptable? Because when we take our own strengths and I'm starting to get things right. I'm now better. I'm now stronger. That is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is not acceptable for God. It's only God's righteousness that is acceptable. 
He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we confess with our mouths and we believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ died and he was made alive. With your mouth you make confession unto salvation and with your heart you believe unto righteousness. And you are saved. Jesus, uh-uh. All your men, you need to be circumcised. How many people do you think will come to church? Say, accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Next week, we've got a baptism service. And directly after that, we've got a circumcision ceremony as well. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hasta la vista. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm going. (laughs) Amen. Because God looks at our heart. Has your heart been circumcised? It's the easiest thing to place laws upon people to control them. When it comes to your children to parent them, it's easy to place laws upon them. But parent them with grace. Put them under grace. Let them become sensitive to the grace of God in their lives. Am I helping some of you here this morning? Turn to somebody that you've not spoken to and just say, I want to be under grace and not under the law. I felt condemned for long enough. Look at verse 8, Acts 15 verse 8. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. How do you get in right standing with God? You believe that Jesus has purified your heart by faith. That's it. That's the good news. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Family, listen to me. The worst of sinners can be saved. And the best person on this planet still needs to be born again. The worst of sinners can be saved. And the best person on this planet must still be born again to be in right standing with God. It's then when sin will not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Because when the law came, sin revived and I died. When you put people under the law, and you tell them, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Guess what? They shall, they shall, they shall. Anybody had the desire to come and touch this monitor here? Nobody. Anybody had the desire to touch this pulpit during the service? Nobody. Put a sign here, do not touch. And put a sign there, do not touch. Then you'll see people will come. Do not touch for what? Why? That's what people, that's the nature of man. You put a law upon them and tell them you shall not. They'll show you they shall. (laughs) We say 
We are sons of Father Abraham. And then we quote Moses. We tell people, start in grace. You are saved by grace. But then we start putting laws upon people. Instead of just allowing the grace of God to work in them and through them to lead them. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's difficult enough out there. Why do you want to make it more difficult? Can I tell you something? God enjoys his creation. He hates sin, but he wants to spend time with you. It is the spirit of God that's made you. It's the breath of the Almighty that gives you life. That's what the Bible says. And Zephaniah, I want to read the Amplified. It says, 3 verse 17, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. God came to save us. He saw our need when we didn't even know we had a need. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of your past sins or even recall them. Turn to the person next to you say, your past is over. You know what? Every mistake that you've made in the past, Jesus Christ has died for it. And every mistake that you're going to make in the future, Jesus Christ has died for it. A matter of fact, when you go and look at Colossians 2, verse 14 to 15, it says the handwriting of requirements that was against us. God removed it completely by nailing it to the cross. Can I have a loud amen? So every sin that you've committed in the past, everything that you're going to do wrong in the future, he's removed all of that. And he nailed it to the cross. The law that was judging you and condemning you, that handwriting, he removed it completely. That's why Jesus can rejoice over us. The Bible says if they knew what God was doing, they would never have crucified him. Because if they knew that Jesus was going to take the sin of the world upon him to remove all the wrongs and all the sins, they would have never killed him so that you would live under condemnation. But now you can live under grace. So it's not our works, what we do, that pleases God, but it's our faith in believing what God did. And that's why they begged Paul. They said, just tell us this again. What are you telling us? We are saved by grace. We don't have to pray the long prayers. We don't have to get circumcised. We just have to believe. I'm not going to preach on it now, but you can take some time. Go read the rest of it. They actually sent a whole delegation to Jerusalem and said, just go find out about this situation with the Gentiles. They came back and they told them just to do four things. Not difficult things, easy things with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So turn to the person next to you and say, it's not your works, but it's Jesus' work. Can I just say this? I want to leave you with this. God can turn a bad situation around and make it good. We know Romans says that, that he takes a bad situation and he turns it around for our good. Amen. But that's not the Jesus way, actually. 
the Jesus way, when you look at Romans 2 verse 4, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It says, or do you despise the riches of His goodness? The riches of His forbearance and the riches of His long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. Can you going through a bad thing bring you to run to God? Yes, it happens all the time. But guess what? God's pattern is actually to bless you abundantly that you can only say, this must be God. Acts 10 verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. He went out doing good. When God empowered him with the Holy Spirit, he didn't go out hurting people, damaging people. He did good wherever he went. When Peter's nets were empty, he said, can I use your boat? Got in the boat, afterwards he says, okay, seen it's been a tough night. Let your boat go out again. Let's get those nets full. Go read it. Jesus said to him, cast your nets. And Peter said, at your word, I'm going to cast a net. Go read it. God wants to do far more abundantly above what we could think or dream. Turn to the person next to you. Say, it's time to reset your faith. Jesus has not come to punish us. Jesus has come to help us. I want to close with this. God wants to be your friend. Do you want to be a friend of God? Do you want to be a friend of God? It's not your works that will please God, but your faith in the work upon the cross. Give the Lord a hand. Some of you have messed up so much in December that you think, how is it possible for God to bless me in January? I'm telling you, God's going to bless you in January, not because of what you've done in December, but because of His grace and because He is God. Because God cannot be unfaithful. God remains faithful even when we are unfaithful. That's His nature and His character, to be faithful even when we are unfaithful. So let me close with this, Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So number one, God has deposited faith on the inside of you so that you can get saved. So faith is something that you have even before you are saved. So we are saved by grace through faith. This is the gift of God. Then he says, God does this so that no man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. He says, you are saved by grace, not by any of your good works. Then once God has saved you by grace, guess what? He empowers you with his grace so that you can go out and start to do good works. Can I have one amen? amen. Can you see? I'm just reading scripture. He says, there are certain things that God has predestined for you that you can only do with the grace of God. I mean with God helping you. God showing his favor upon you. God will come to you and say, you're going to be a financial channel and there's no contracts that's come in. Am I talking to the right people here? God will say, you will help people 
to do extraordinary things, educate people, and you're not finished with your own studies. Am I talking to the right people here? You don't need faith and grace for the possible. You need it for the impossible. As I was busy, God took me to this. In Matthew 14, Jesus is praying for the multitudes. They are getting healed. We're seeing the grace of God work. The Bible mentions 5,000 men without their wives and their children. So let's say 5,000 men. Let's say half of them are married. That means it's 7,500 people. And let's say there's two kids with the five. Let's add another two and a half. Let's say 10,000 people there in total. Have you ever tried to cater for 10,000 people? It's a headache. So the disciples see, okay, it's getting dark. These people are getting hungry. They're getting grumpy. They go to Jesus. They said, it's getting late. I think cities are far away. People are getting hungry. They're not going to listen to us, Jesus, but you just tell them, go home, please. Send them home. Send them home. They're in contact with grace. What does Jesus say? He says, no, I don't think they need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> Has Jesus ever done that to you? Where you see a need and you say, oh, God, what? just send them away. And Jesus says, no, I don't think they need to go away. You guys just give them something. You feed the 10,000 people quickly. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? An encounter with grace and truth? What does Jesus say? He says, what have you got in your hands? I know that 12 of you cannot feed 10,000 people. What have you got in your hand? Let what's in your hand touch grace. And I'm going to put it back in your hands and you'll see how it will multiply. Many of you, God has called you to feed the masses, but you waiting for a check from heaven to do the catering for 10,000 people. And Jesus doesn't work like that. He says, what's in your hand right now to make a change? Jesus said, I've solved problems for you. You start solving problems for me. Ephesians 2 verse 8, you've been saved by grace through faith. Your sin problem, I solved it for you by grace. Now I've deposited grace on the inside of you so that you can become a problem solver. I'm not asking you to fix the whole world. I'm asking what's in your hand to solve a problem. And put that in the hands of Jesus and see what he will do. Amen? The little that you have, when you put it in the hands of Jesus, he'll multiply it and feed the 5,000 men with their wives, with their children. Every time Jesus touched somebody, grace, whether it was healing that they needed, whether it was deliverance that they needed, whether it was a hunger pain, surely we cannot meet all the needs immediately. But let's start to just do what we have to do. The Bible says that Jesus' yoke is easy. He said, come to me. He didn't say, first fast for 40 days. 
He didn't say, first sort out all your nonsense. He didn't say, first get your vocabulary right. Am I talking to the right people here? First get rid of all your habitual sins. No, he didn't say that. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can we learn from Jesus to be gentle? Can we learn from Jesus to put a yoke on people that's easy, a burden that is light? Jesus was simply just saying, I know it can sometimes get tough, but I'm not here to make it tough for you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to make that yoke easy. Can I encourage you? Just start to thank God for the times when he's made the yoke easy. Start thanking God for the times where he's just helped you, where you didn't know how you were going to get through that situation, where you didn't know how things were going to work out, and God just did it for you. Start thanking God for those moments. Go and share that testimony of the good news. We are not saved by obeying the law. We are saved by grace when we put our faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Isaiah said, whose report will you believe? Will you believe this report? Go and share this report with people. Say there's an easy way. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow him into your life. When you allow Christ to come into your life, your life will start to change. Amen. Let people start to experience this Jesus. I'm going to close with one last scripture, Philippians 2 verse 13. It's God working in us for his good pleasure. It's God working in us for his good pleasure. The Passion Translation says God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what please him. Guess what? God is going to place a desire on the inside of you. And that's just His grace. To go and do what pleases Him. Sometimes it will be challenging. Sometimes it might even be difficult. But even when it's difficult, God will give you the grace and His grace will be sufficient for you to see you through. The good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we are saved by grace. A work that God has done. And when we believe it, Everything starts to change in our life. Let us go out and let our words be seasoned with grace. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Let people experience the grace. Yes, the truth will set us free. There's an accusation against us, but Jesus came and he removed the handwriting, the accusation that was against. He removed it on the cross once and for all. So let people look to the cross where the price was paid and let them just experience that grace and go out and start to share the good news. Hallelujah. Has your faith been lifted? Are you ready to go out to know that God has gone before you? That God is here to help you? That every advancement in your life is because of the grace of God? Amen. God bless you. I want to say thank you to those that have joined us via the, the internet or any other media platform. We trust that this message has encouraged you, that you are ready for this week to go out with hope and share the good news to those around you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week, same time. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.